for connection and, and for, you know, just being the body of Christ and recognizing that we're the body of Christ and that we're connected. And I did that uh, intentionally. It's, it's a, not the exact same message, but it's sort of a, a type of message I, I do uh, very often at this time of the year. And, and the reason is this, that as we transition from summer to fall, uh, there's, there's sort of a, a natural thing that happens in the life of the church. And this is, this is sort of, it, it's a rhythm. And I, and I don't mind the rhythm, but this is how it works. Summertime, you know, the sun comes out. Everybody goes on vacation. We're doing outings. We're here and we're there. And, and one week somebody's gone. The next week somebody else is gone. And you, it just, it's, it's hard to stay connected. And you really find at the end of summer, you get a little fragmented, a, a, a little disconnected. And then fall comes School starts, I know, the sun goes away, that's the bad part, that's the downside. Um, but all those things sort of happen, and it just sort of seems like we, you kind of settle back in a little bit. And, and quite honestly, as much as I love the sun and love being outside, I actually really like that part of it. I like that things sort of stabilize and normalize a little bit. But with that, I, I, I do around this time of the year often feel as though there's a need to sort of uh, remind ourselves, maybe I'm reminding me as much as I am you, for, for that need for connection again. And it is the time of year where we typically start small groups. The Darlene announced tonight the women's Bible study starts this week. Uh, I know of at least one other home group will be starting sometime in the next few weeks, and, and there will probably be other opportunities for connection. So just sort of as a reminder that, we, we, you know, not only do we belong together, but we really need one another. Uh, we, we really need the body of Christ. We need to be involved. We need to be connected. And, and so tonight, I, I want to I continue that. This is kind of, uh, I guess, part two of, of last week. And if you missed last week, you might want to check that out. It is on, uh, we have podcasts. It's on iTunes. So you can just go to iTunes and search Portland Vineyard, and it'll be there. I want to I take it maybe just a step further, a little bit further tonight in terms of what we talked about last week, a and look at how essential it really is that, that we develop meaningful relationships with one another. And wh when I say it's in how essential it is, I, I think we all realize, yeah, we, right, we need that. We, it's important to have relationships. It's, it, it is needed. But beyond that, it, it really is a part of the purpose of God in our lives, and we're created in such a way that, that we, we need meaningful relationships with one another. And if we don't develop those, we're not really walking in the purpose that God intended for us, and we're missing out on a huge part of, of not only blessing in our life, but who he's called us to be. So, so really, that's what I want to look at tonight, is, is that... That way in, the, in which we're created to be in relationship and to be connected and the need for meaningful connection with one another. Last week we looked at, our text was 1 Corinthians 12, talking about the body of Christ and the various parts of the body of Christ. And so tonight I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, uh, the next chapter. And I, most of us know that passage, that section of Scripture, as the love chapter. And very often uh, it's read in uh, weddings or, or things like that. And, and, I mean, that's 
so highly appropriate, isn't it? I mean, love and marriage, they kind of go together. Um, but I, I think there's an even broader and deeper application to that passage than, than weddings. Uh, it, I think it has application in all of our lives. And so um, I want to look at that tonight. And I'm actually not even going to read or look at the, the bulk of the chapter, the description. It's a beautiful description, and you might want to go back and review it later. I know most of us are familiar with it, but the description that the Apostle Paul gives us there of love. I want to focus our attention on just the last couple verses of the chapter, and I want to start by reading those together, and, and then we'll pray. But the end of the chapter... Verses 12 and 13, he says this, For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So my uh, title tonight is To Know and Be Known, which uh, I took from, from that passage. And let's just uh, pray again, and then we'll uh, go ahead and talk about it. Lord, thanks uh, for your word. I pray that you would open our hearts to receive tonight and that you would touch us with a refreshed and a renewed understanding of uh, who you are, how deeply you want to be in relationship with us, and how you've created us to be in relationship with one another. I ask that you would cause your spirit to rest upon us and fill our hearts with uh, longing for you and longing to walk out and live our lives in your purposes. In your name we pray. Amen. So the, um, the context of the passage that the verses we just read is the kingdom of God. We talk a lot about the kingdom of God, and, and, and let me be honest, over the past two years, maybe a little bit longer, but certainly the last two years, I have uh, taught uh, a lot about the kingdom, and that's been intentional. It's been, uh, this is why, I'll tell you, the, the reason I've taught so much about the kingdom is that I think it's, it's so, so very important to have an understanding of, of the kingdom of God as it applies to our day-to-day lives. And it seems to me, based on my conversations with people and just sort of what I read and what I gather from kind of the, you know, the whole Christian thing out there, that, that very few Christians really do have much understanding of how the kingdom applies to their day-to-day lives at all. And in fact, I would even say within the vineyard, and in the vineyard we, we call ourselves a kingdom of God movement, and one of our values is kingdom theology and practice. And, and yet I think our understanding is at times somewhat cursory and somewhat limited in terms of how the kingdom of God really works day to day in our lives. And so that's why I've talked so much about it. When I ask someone about, what, you know, what is the kingdom of God? How does it work? You might get something, and and throughout the years in the vineyard movement, we've talked about the now and the not yet. These two ages, two time periods, but very often people can't really give you much more than that in terms of what the kingdom really means. We sort of understand that there's a time in the future, and and really here, when it says now and then, 
The then is when the kingdom comes in its fullness. When Christ returns and the kingdom comes, then we will see face to face. Then we will know and be known fully. We talk about that, and we, we talk about things in the kingdom like healing, and we know that healing will happen. Everyone will be healed. Everything will be restored. Redemption will be complete. Justice will, will be uh, enacted, and freedom from oppression uh, will take place when the kingdom comes. Now, those things happen in part, but not fully. Those things are there. We pray for people to be healed, and sometimes they are, and a lot of times they're not. And that's because the kingdom of God is here, as Jesus told us to pray for it to be, but it's not here in its fullness yet. Our job, our role as Christians, really, is this. It's to, to illustrate to the world around us what the kingdom of God looks like. What does a kingdom person living in God's presence and in his kingdom look like day to day, right now, in this world? That's what our job is, and that's what we do. So with that... One of the benefits, one of the blessings, one of the realities of the kingdom that maybe we've overlooked or we don't really give as much thought to as some of the others is that we'll know and be known. When God's kingdom comes in its fullness, when Christ returns, when we're with him and we see him face to face, everything will be open. Everything will be revealed. There'll be no secrets, nothing held back. We'll see God, we'll know God, and, and also we'll see and know one another. There'll be a relationship that we have together as his people that's so different than the one that we know now. We t totally free, totally open, totally honest, totally trustworthy and trusted. We will be able to trust one another in such a way that we'll know and be known in that way. We haven't, uh, haven't used a video clip in a long time, but I have a video clip for you tonight. Let's see if I can make it work. I, I don't know. But well, before I put it on, I'll just, tell you, I'll, I'll just share with you a little bit about it. Um, this is the um, it's a video. It's a clip from a movie called Contact. I don't know if you guys remember it. Back in the 90s. It's a, it stars Jodie Foster, and she plays a, uh, a scientist who is looking for extraterrestrial life forms. You know, I realized in the 90s it was all about aliens. It was, it was, aliens were all the rage. There's a lot of alien movies. And then in the 2000s, it kind of became vampires. It went from aliens to vampires. I sort of like the alien period better than the vampire period myself. But regardless, Jodie Foster is searching for extraterrestrial life. And so uh, the movie is interesting. You might go back and watch it because it really, you know, there's sort of this tension between faith and reason between religion and science. And the movie really deals with that more than just being, it's not really about aliens. It's really about that. That's what it's about. And it's sort of, at the end, you kind of come to the conclusion that maybe those things aren't mutually exclusive. Maybe you can have faith and reason. You can believe in science and God. Um, but, but sort of underneath all that, maybe at the core of it, the movie is about what the title implies, contact. It, it's about the need for connecting with, with one another. And so the scene we're going to look at is near the end of the film, and Jodie Foster's character travels through a wormhole. And I don't really know what a wormhole is, but it's something in space. And she goes through this wormhole, and she lands in this place, and it looks very familiar. It looks like a childhood memory of hers. She grew up and, and had some 
some wonderful uh, memories of, of being in Pensacola, Florida. So the place she lands looks very much like that, and she encounters an alien. She finally makes contact with an alien life form, and the alien is disguised or, or looks, comes to her in the form of her father. And her father was a significant in her life, and he encouraged her in, in her own quest and who she was. They were very, very close, but he died when she was seven years old, so she's been uh, away from him for many, many years, and because of that has become somewhat reclusive. She kind of spends a lot of time in this little room searching for aliens and doesn't really connect with a lot of other people. So now she's in this place, and she encounters this alien that looks like her dad, and that's where we'll pick it up. So let's see if we can make this work. That's all you got. <laughs> Turn this on. Stop it there. All right, now I'll turn the lights back on. So I, I don't know if you. Uh, sorry, you couldn't hear that. Technology just failed you totally. 
but uh, the uh, the line he said it's in all of our searching the only thing we found that makes the emptiness bearable is each other you know I think a, a good movie is a movie that uh, people identify with that you resonate with something that connects with your own heart your own spirit when you watch a movie and you go that's how I feel that's how I think then you really connect and the filmmakers here I think connected with an almost universal very deep sort of sense feeling thought inside of all of us that the only thing that makes the emptiness bearable is each other it's interesting to me, you know, I, I was even on, on YouTube, There, people can comment underneath the video clip, and the first comment on this, somebody wrote, every time I get to 550, which is the point right where he says that line, I start crying and I don't know why. And I, I, I wanted to respond to them and say, the reason why is because you know that to be true in your own heart. You know that the only thing that makes the emptiness bearable really is each other. Now, I, I, I think as followers of Christ, we probably all recognize, or we should all recognize, that on the deepest level, that longing can only be filled by God, right? We've talked about that even recently. That there's, there's a God-shaped vacuum inside of us. And it's, it's, it's really screaming out to be filled, and God is constantly looking for ways to fill it. And I, I was thinking about this this morning. I was out uh, walking my dog and thinking about that, and I realized there are so many ways which people encounter God. You know, people encounter God all sorts of different ways, and I realized that's not by accident. That's by design. People encounter God all different ways because they're hungry to encounter God. There's that emptiness inside of them, and God is just looking to fill that. So, you know, he comes to us in different ways. So we know that on the very deepest level, that, that really can only be filled by God. But, but, but we, we also, even, even, in, even in the deepest, the best, the most fulfilled relationship with God, we still need cre connection with one another. We were also created, we were created not only with a need to be connected to God, but with a need. It's, it's inherent in us that we were created with a need to be connected to one another. And look, we were created in the image of God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And so God relates with people, with us, but he also relates within himself to himself. So we need to be connected. We, we desire to be connected to God and also to one another. That's why, and that's why this is in, in Genesis 2, God said it's not good for man to be alone. Now remember, this is in the Garden of Eden. This is before the fall. Adam is in perfect communion with God. At this point in time, he's in a perfect, undefiled unbroken relationship with God. And you might go, I mean, I, I ask, I go, okay, man, if you have that, if, I, if there's no sin, 
There was nothing between me and God. We were just connected. Just, just me and God, wide open, fully there, everything. What more could you ever want? What more could you ask for? But it's in that exact place, in that exact situation, that God says it's not good for man to be alone. God created man not only to be connected with him, but connected with, with each other. That's, that's in us. That's, that's just, it's who we are. You know, and, and on, a, on, a, on, a, on one level, that's part of what we're for. Our, our purpose in life is to reflect the image of God. God longs for relationship with his people. And so to reflect that, you know, effectively to others, we long for relationship with him and with others as well. That's why John 17, Jesus prays that they may be one as we are one. So they is us. Jesus is... Jesus is praying to the Father, and he's saying, just, just the way that we're one, you and me, I'm praying and asking that they, us, will be one as well. That they'll have that same kind of connection with one another that you and I have. Jesus prays that we will have the same connection with one another that he has with the Father. That, that, that's a powerful prayer. Think about the communion between Jesus and, and the Father how close they are and how connected they are. And that's what Jesus is asking that we would have. Okay, so here's the thing. If, if we're created for that purpose, if one of the deepest longings, other than maybe to know God, the deepest longing in our own soul and our own heart is to be connected with one another, to have real relationship, then why don't we just do it? Why, why do we tend to resist the very thing that we're created for and that we long for in our own heart? What keeps us from just entering into that regularly and freely and fully? Well, there is, I suppose... <laughs> Uh, a complexity of reasons for that. There are a couple, I think, are sort of big reasons, and then there's some maybe lesser reasons. And I want to look at some of the basic, a couple big reasons tonight that I think are sort of universally true for everybody. There might be some things that some people experience that others don't, but I think there's a couple things that we all experience. And, and the first one is this. The first reason that we resist that, that very connection that we long for is that we fear judgment. We fear judgment and we hide because we're afraid that if we ever let anybody know who we really are, that we'll be judged. And you remember, it wasn't very long after God said it's not good for the man to be alone that he tried to connect with Adam and Eve. And this is he called out to them, it says in verse 9, and then Adam responds, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And already, see, Adam and Eve believed a lie from the enemy about the nature and the character of God, and they believed they would be judged, and they covered themselves and hid from him. And the poisonous fruit that they had uh, you know, partaken of had begun to take effect in their lives. And that, that's why, that's why, really, we have trouble being honest with one another. It's why we have trouble really connecting on that level and really being completely 
open and honest in our relationships with one another because we're afraid of being judged. It's why, really, to, to one degree or another, we're all hypocrites. And, and here's... It, it, hypocrite is actually a Greek word. It means something a little bit different today than it originally meant. The, you'll see in a moment the, the meaning is very similar but different. A hypocrite was an actor. A hypocrite was a person in a play on a stage that wore a mask. And behind that mask was one person, a real person, who was pretending to be someone that they were not. They looked and acted in a way that was different than who they really were, and that's what a hypocrite was. And, and that's what we do. We put a mask on, and sometimes we want to look good on the outside. We pretend to be something we're not, because we don't want anybody to know what's really on the inside. It's sort of a facade that we wear. Years ago, I, uh, I got to go to Aruba, and I was there for a, a conference of uh, a meeting, really, of, of all the vineyard leaders in Latin America and North America. We all went to Aruba. I don't know who decided, but that's what we went. So it was the weirdest thing. You've all, some of you, many of you have been to uh, impoverished places, maybe been to third world countries. When we, you arrive in Aruba and you get off the airplane in the airport and you drive, you know, take a shuttle or a cab or whatever, and there's a, a row, like a big parkway of resorts and all these beautiful hotels. There's all these, it's palm trees lining it. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And you go, wow, this is amazing. But right behind it, and I don't mean like, you know, in another part of the island or three blocks away, there's literally a, a row of nice resorts. And if you walk out the back door, directly behind it is horrible poverty. And the kind of shacks that you see, some of you have seen in Mexico and other places where people have kind of put them together from whatever they could find, and, th and there's that sort of thing. It's, it's right, it's, it's literally out the back door of the hotel. So you have this facade, you have this beautiful thing that looks great in the front, but everything else is something totally different. And, and that's kind of what it's like to wear that mask. We put that on, we want to look good on the outside, especially, to be honest, as Christians, because it's so bad to be bad on the inside. We don't want anybody to know who we really are. We put up that front, because, because we're afraid if anybody finds out, who, you know, what I'm really like, what a loser I am, what a low-down, no-good, pond-scum-sucking cretin I really am, they'll judge me, and they'll hate me, and they'll never want to be my friend, and they'll never hang out with me. And so it's, it's so much easier to just put the mask on and, and pretend and have a happy face like this, does that look like anybody you know? That's so much easier than to deal with the pain of rejection that we fear we'll face if we actually share who we really are. So Jesus came to change that. Jesus came to set us free from all that. And when we look at the cross, we see God's heart. We see who he really is in Christ saying, hey, I love you. I care about you. I, I love you no matter what. I, I already know everything there is to know about you. Let me 
let's play a little game. I, I, said, I don't know. I just you don't have to answer. You know, we all do it, right? We all kind of put that front on. Can we admit that we all do that to one another? Can we acknowledge that we do that? Anybody ever try to do that with God? Anybody ever pretend that God doesn't really know? Am I the only one that ever done that? I'll just t- I'll let you in a little secret. It doesn't work. God knows. God knows everything. He knows everything. God knows the best and the worst about you. He really does. And the worst is this. this is th- and here's the deal. The worst is this. That your sin was so bad that it required God to become a human being and die on a cross to free you from it. That's how bad it was. The truth is, your sin causes you, my, and mine, I'm not leaving myself out of that, our sin, is so bad it causes us to be a Christ killer. The truth is, we were there yelling, crucify him, crucify him, right around with the rest of the crowd that day. Now, here's the sort of irony in that whole thing, is that once you've established that, the details don't really matter. What your sin is, what you've done, if it was bad enough to send Jesus to the cross, it doesn't matter. You get what I'm saying? It's, it's okay we, we, that's, that's, that, that's, that's in. That's on the table. Your sin, my sin, was bad enough to send Christ to the cross. Once we've got that out in the open, the details don't matter. It's okay. It's okay to let those things out. God knows that. And he knows the best about you, too. And the best about you is this. That he knows how bad your sin was, and he loves you anyway. He knows everything about you, and he still died for you. That didn't stop him from loving you the way that he loves you. Jesus loves you with with everything, who you are. He says, you are of unsurpassable worth. You're worth everything to me. That's, That's how deeply I love you. And so because of that, you don't need to hide. Because of that, you you don't need to pretend to be anything or anyone that you're not. Because of that, He invites you into relationship with him and with one another to be honest and open and and allow allow the scars and the pain in your life to be healed because if we hide those things away, the truth is that they can't really be healed. We'll never be fully who God's called us to be until we're willing to bring them out in the open and say, God, I, I need healing on this. So as as nice as um as that all sounds. You know, the, the reality is this, that it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to develop real relationships with other people. It really does, it, it really does require a commitment to that end. It really does require time. It requires energy. It, re- it requires intentionality. To be honest, it requires hard work. It requires hard work to have real relationships with other people. And that kind of brings me to my, my second point, uh, and a hindrance, I think, again, to us having real relationships, and it's this. I, I think that very often many of us and just don't have space in our lives to develop real relationships. And, and I want to take a risk, and I want to address one aspect of that 
um, that might or might not apply. And if it doesn't apply, then sorry. I think for some it does. And it relates to technology. Now, first of all, let me just, I'm, I'm not here to diss technology. I like technology. I use technology. I have multiple iDevices. And so I, I don't want to completely, I'm not just down on technology. I, I just want to say I, I think there's some, I, th I, I think that there, that there is some realities to the use of it that maybe go, we, un, un kind of, we, we don't think about them. They, they don't really impact us very much. And I want to tell you a story to illustrate this. Some of you know, and probably maybe many of you don't, some of you know that I, I work part-time during the week for a property management company. And we, uh, we rent residential properties. So not too long ago, a couple months ago, we moved a family into a new property that we had. It's not a new property. It's, they, were, they were a new tenant, actually. Uh, family, husband, wife, three little kids. Moved from Seattle area. His husband got transferred down here his job, so moved into this place. So the way it worked out was he had to come down for work, so they, they started, ran on, on one week, and he was just there that first week and kind of had a mattress on the floor sort of thing. And uh, the wife was at home with the kids in Seattle, I don't know, packing, I guess, or making the last-minute preparations. And then that weekend, he drove back up and got them and came back down, and then they were all here. So a couple days later, so now they're all here. It's Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe, of the next week. She calls the office and says, hey, our hot water is not working. It's... It's warm, it's just barely lukewarm, it comes out, but that's it, we can't really get it hot, and we don't know why. So I'm thinking, okay, that's, you know, has it been that way? Yes, it's been that way. So you, he was there for a week, you've been there for three days, you haven't had hot water, and you call now. It's fine. So is it, is the pilot? I don't know. So we kind of talk a little bit, try to troubleshoot on the phone, can't troubleshoot. So now I'm going to go over to the house to see if the, pilot light is out in the water here, and if I can fix it so we don't have to call the repairman to come out and fix it. So, look, they've been there three days. Nobody is going to have everything unpacked and put away in their house in perfect order, right? That's, that's unrealistic expectation. I do not think that things are going to be dialed in. But when I got there, what I actually encountered was chaos. Boxes everywhere, and they're not like, you know, Mark, living room, kitchen, in the room where they're supposed to go. They're just sort of everywhere. And most of them are not unpacked. There's a couple that are open. There's one that's open. There's like kids' clothes coming out of it on the floor. Looks to me like the kids were looking for something to wear. There's McDonald's wrappers all over the kitchen. It's just chaos. So I have to go through the kitchen to get to the garage to the water heater. And as I'm walking through the kitchen, I happen to notice that the computer is set up, not a laptop, desktop. So on the kitchen counter, monitor, keyboard, mouse, the whole thing set up, open to Facebook. Now, far be it for me to be critical of anyone, but I'm just sort of wondering if we haven't had time to unpack, if our kids don't have clothes to wear and we're eating at McDonald's, how is it we have time to look at Facebook? I'm just wondering. Maybe, maybe there was a completely valid reason. Maybe they said, hey, when we get here, we'll let everybody know we're here safe. And that's what they did. I don't know. And I don't want to be judgmental at that point. But it sort of, to me, was kind of a symbol. It was sort of symbolic of modern life, of our lives, in that sometimes 
there are things that might really be a little bit higher priority, and we tend to push them off to the sides to deal with things in technology that we sort of get caught up in. And so is, is, is social networking bad? Is it a sin? I'm going to answer that question with a statement, and the statement is this, that everything has spiritual implications. Everything, everything has spiritual implications. There, there are a lot of things, there are many, many, many things in life that are not intrinsically sin, they're not intrinsically bad, but that they will suck the life right out of you if you allow them to. I'll tell you another story to illustrate that. I have a fable. There's a native, uh, okay, they're not, they're in Canada, so they're not Native American. They're a native Canadian tribe, native Canadian tribe. And uh, this tribe for hundreds, I don't know, thousands, I don't know how long, as long as they've existed in Canada, they hunt for food. So they go out, you know, and I, I don't know how it works, the men, whoever, they go out, they kill uh, a moose or an elk, and they bring it back to the tribe, and everybody participates. They, you know, chop it up or whatever they do. I don't know how that all works. And, and they, they, what do you, they butcher it, and then they share it. And, every, and everybody takes some, and they all go home. And that's the way it's been for hundreds of years. And then in the 1950s, electricity is introduced into the village where this tribe lives. And not long after electricity is introduced into the village, somebody buys a freezer. So they go out on a hunt, and they kill a, a moose, and they bring it back and butcher it up. But now, this guy says, hey, you know, it could be that in a couple months from now, who knows, might be a lean time. It could be the cold of winter. Maybe I don't want to go hunting. So instead of distributing all this meat and everybody getting a little bit, we could before we didn't have the ability to save it. We ha it had to be used, but now I can save it. So I'll just... I'll just put some away for myself. They did not have a name for the freezer in this tribal village, so the name they came up with was the Stingy Box. It's called the Stingy Box. So it didn't take very long until somebody else got a freezer, and then somebody else got a freezer, and then somebody else got a freezer, and then pretty soon that sort of communal reality of sharing everything in common completely dried up, and now it was sort of every man or every family for himself, and when you go out on a hunt, you kill something, you take it home, and you pack it up and put it in your freezer rather than sharing. So my point is simply this. Are freezers evil? Are they of the devil? Are they satanic creations? No, probably not. I, I think that's okay if you have a freezer. I don't want you to feel bad about that. But everything has spiritual implications. And technology has spiritual implications. And the way that we use it in our lives has spiritual implications. Now, one of the ironic things about technology is this that in marketing, it's marketed to us, we're sold technology based on two things. One, it's faster. It'll save you time. It's faster, right? 4G is faster than 3G, and Verizon is faster than Comcast. It's faster, it'll save you time, and two, it'll help you connect with other people. That, that's the marketing strategy. It's, it'll save you time, and it'll help you connect. But here's, the reality is this. There's an inverse relationship between the quantity and quality of relationships. It's true. It's, it's a mathematical theorem. The more relationships you have, the less quality relationships you can have, 
And the higher quality relationship you have, the fewer relationships you can really maintain. Does that make sense to you? It's true. I know. I know it's true. So when I hear somebody say, I have 600 Facebook friends, or I have 900 Facebook friends, or I have 1,200 Facebook friends, and there is this sort of, you know, maybe more the kids, but this competition of I'm popular because I have this many Facebook friends. I say, does, do any of those equal the quality of one real live relationship? And again, my, my goal tonight is not to diss Facebook, not to be down on technology, any of those things at all. I, I don't want you to hear me saying that. I, I do want you to hear me say everything has applications. And it might be, it might be that that is one thing in your life that fills up space that doesn't allow you to really connect with other people. It's okay. It's okay to touch a lot of people. And I have friends, actually, in ministry who use uh, Twitter, Facebook, instant messaging in an effective way. We all have downtime. Everybody has downtime. You're waiting somewhere. You're at the airport waiting for a flight. You've got to go through security. You're in line for an hour. You're at the, you're at the dentist's office. I don't know. You're at the DMV. Uh, but we all have downtime. So I have friends who, when they have that time, they will, they will send out an IM or a tweet or something to their friends. Hey, God bless you today. I'm praying for you, whatever. I started doing that a little bit a while ago. I have a, an app that is the Bible, and you can, you can look up a text, and then you can share, share that text. So once in a while, I'll just send somebody a little Bible verse. Hey, thinking about you, boom, read this. It's cool. So my point is, it's okay to touch a lot of people Jesus touched a lot of people, right? Jesus touched a lot of people. There's one, uh, I should have looked it up. I, I can't remember. It's in Luke, I think, maybe chapter 7 or 9, something like that. Jesus actually physically touches like 17 people in a very short span of time. He touched a lot of people, but, but he, also, he also had 12 people that were closer, that they might be with him. Okay, so as many people as he touched, he had 12 real relationships and, and we know from reading the Gospels that, that, that really he had three deeper relationships, that Peter, James, and John became even closer to him than the 12. So while he touched a lot of people, he, he also defined relationship in a different way with a much smaller group of people. So here, uh, we, 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 need, we need to close, we need to wrap up. But uh, two, here's two practical things, two, uh, two practical ideas that might benefit you. The first one is this. Maybe uh, submit all of your relationships to God. Make a list of all of your acquaintances and friends and people you know. And if you have 1,200 Facebook friends, that could be a project. But make a list of them anyway. And pray over those and submit them to God. And ask God, hey, is there anybody on this list that I really need to have a deeper relationship with. Maybe they're at a level where we sort of connect, you know, but it's not a real relationship. And maybe there's somebody here that I need to pursue that relationship with. And just allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart that way. Maybe, it might be, and, you know, the essence tonight is that we need connection, we need relationships, but the, the other side of that is that as much as we need them, sometimes relationships can can be a drain, they can be negative, and they can be hurtful to us. It, maybe there's people on that list that 
you shouldn't be. That, that you need to maybe back out of that relationship. Maybe there's a relationship that has a negative spiritual impact on you. Maybe you've connected with an old friend through Facebook that you shouldn't be connected with. I don't know. I'm just saying, submit that to God and allow Him to, to speak into your heart over those things. Second thing is open up some space in your life. And I think this is something we all need to do. And, and probably you know, me as much as anybody else. Open up some space in your life. Do an honest evaluation. Are there things in my life? Do, can, I, can I? We all say we're too busy. I'm too busy. I can't go to home group because I'm too busy. I can't go to the women's worship thing Friday night because I'm too busy. I'm going to pass up an opportunity to connect with God and deepen my relationship, cultivate my relationship with Him, worship Him with other people because I'm too busy. And maybe there's things in our lives that are causing us to be too busy that we don't need to do. Maybe, maybe we have commitments that we shouldn't have. Maybe we have just stuff that we shouldn't be doing. And, and again, I, I don't mean sinful bad things. If you have sinful bad things in your life, stop doing them. They're, they're not good. Those are bad. But maybe you have other things that aren't, like I said, in and of themselves sinful bad things. They're just things. Intrinsically, they're, they're not harmful, but, but maybe they're cl clogging up space that could be used to, to open up relationship with God and with other people in a deeper way. So just maybe evaluate that. Maybe you can slow down in a way that will allow you, you know, I don't, I don't read a lot of sort of the, you know, old school sort of guys. But some of them, they talk about rhythm in life. And you don't hear that as much anymore. People talk about rhythms in life and patterns in life. But maybe there's a rhythm in life that you could accomplish where there's that space. And there's, a, and there's sure, we're all going to be busy. You, we, can't, we can't all become monks. We can't all quit our jobs. We can't all go, go you know, we can't do that. But maybe there, we can open up some space and, and develop a rhythm that allows us to know and be known in a deeper, more meaningful way. To connect with God and connect with others in a way that maybe we don't always do now. So anyway, there you go. That's it. Let's stand. Um, Ron, would you... Uh, I just want to... You know, lately I... Uh, ministry time, I felt like I just want to pray for you guys. So I'm going to do that again. Just open your hearts and just receive a little bit. Jesus, um, we acknowledge tonight the deepest longing in our heart is to know you, and you know maybe second to that is to, to know and be known by others. And we acknowledge as well that when your kingdom comes in its fullness and when you return and when we see you face to face, that all those things will be done. But Lord, we want to we walk in that and we want to reflect that and we want to... Uh, illustrate that to the world around us as much as we possibly can today. We want to be kingdom people. We want to walk and live in your kingdom. So I, I just pray for those here tonight, Lord, that you would open their hearts to receive from you and just let your spirit speak to us and help us to understand and order relationships and understand and order time in our own lives and help us to make you the highest priority in that. If there's things, Lord, in our lives that are taking up space that you would cause us to see and know those things. If there's people that maybe we need to know more or know less of. Show us those things. 
Help us to understand. And I just pray your blessing, Lord. Your blessing on this church and this congregation and these people. And I ask, Lord, that you would, that you would develop meaningful relationships among one another. And maybe even right now that you would speak to people here about other people that they need to really connect with, make a relationship with, to deepen, uh, you know, maybe they've been on a surface level and, and just sort of said hello, but they thought, hey, I'd really like to know that person. Maybe just cause your spirit to speak into that a little, a little stronger, a little more real. And Lord, I pray tonight that you bring healing. Lord, healing of, of that fear of being judged. And, I, and healing for those that have been judged. Those who have been rejected. Healing to those who's, who've been wounded by opening their lives up and sharing who they really are and then they've been slapped in the face because of it. I pray you, you would bring healing to them. Just fill us with your spirit tonight.